once again back once again back once again back once again back once again with a beat with the beat trick a man must be big enough to admit his mistakes, smart enough to profit from them, and strong enough to correct them. So says John C. Maxwell. I'm Scott with the Wisdom in All Things podcast, where we look at applying wisdom to life in three areas, mind, body, and soul. On this episode, better is open rebuke. Why are we so opposed to being rebuked? I think it's found in this one line, in this one movie, from this one actor. He portrays Colonel Nathan Jessup, the movie A Few Good Men. The answer to our question, you can't handle the truth. There's just no denying that A Few Good Men is a classic. In this movie, you've got a young military lawyer, Lieutenant Daniel Caffey, played by Tom Cruise, assigned to defend two Marines accused of murdering a fellow soldier. As Caffey investigates the case, he discovers evidence of a cover-up and decides to confront the high-ranking officers responsible. Dun-dun-dun. With Colonel Jessup... On the stand, Caffey confronts the commanding officer of the Marines by accusing him of ordering a code red, an unauthorized disciplinary action that led to the soldier's death. Jessup initially denies any involvement, but Caffey continues to press him, demanding the truth. Finally, Jessup explodes in anger and, beginning with his now famous line, you can't handle the truth, proceeds to deliver the monologue in which he declares that his job is to protect America's freedom and that Caffey and his kind have the luxury of not knowing what I do and what I know. He then admits to giving the order for the Code Red, effectively incriminating himself. Ultimately, Caffey's rebuke leads to Jessup's downfall. He sought justice and open rebuke led him there. Which is the goal, by the way. Rebuke is the means not the end. Marshall Siegel, he's a staff writer at DesiringGod.org. He says, as Paul rebukes his opponents, he clarifies the goal and repeats himself to be clear. He says, your restoration is what I pray for in 2 Corinthians 13.9. And then speaking to the whole church, he says, aim for restoration in 2 Corinthians 13.11. Restoration, not mere correction, is the goal of godly rebuke. Proverbs 27.5 states, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Though it may initially seem harsh or uncomfortable, even daring, open rebuke is actually more beneficial than hidden love. This verse calls us to prioritize truth and transparency, which fosters honesty and growth. It reminds us that genuine love sometimes requires us to speak difficult truths, and even if it may temporarily strain the relationship, ultimately open rebuke can lead to greater understanding, repentance, and reconciliation. On the other hand, hidden love, however well-intentioned, can inadvertently enable harmful behaviors or hinder personal growth. By graciously speaking the truth in love, we help people align their lives with God's word and experience the abundant life he intends for us. Open rebuke offers an opportunity for correction, guidance, and personal refinement. John MacArthur, pastor teacher of Grace Community Church, in Sun Valley, California, says, By openly rebuking in love, we demonstrate a commitment to truth and the spiritual well-being of others. The verse Proverbs 27.5 serves as a reminder that true love is not merely sentimental, but also seeks the sanctification of those we care about. Rebuke is a verb that means to express strong disapproval or criticism towards someone's actions or behavior. It involves reproaching, admonishing, or reprimanding someone for their actions in order to correct or change their behavior. 
A rebuke is often a direct and firm expression of disapproval, highlighting the severity or consequences of the person's actions. Tim Challies, author and pastor at Grace Fellowship Church in Toronto, says, Rebuke is a vital component of discipleship as it helps us grow in our faith and obedience to Christ. But it must be done in a spirit of humility and love and always with the goal of restoring relationships and bringing about reconciliation. If rebuking someone is not simply calling out their sin, but about helping them to see the error of their ways and encouraging them to turn back to God, how can we argue for a different approach? My sense is that for many, the word rebuke is similar to the word sin, in that they are both perceived as archaic and like over the top. However, they are accurate. There's no hyperbole in the Bible's use of those words. God's word calls it as it is. We should too. And I have to wonder if our objection to their use is more a reflection of how far away we are from the norm, that is, the standard God has set. So how do we wisely, biblically rebuke? Understanding how the Bible prescribes the approach we should take to rebuking someone really dissolves any objection we have with using that word or the connotation and replaces it with a sense of purpose and urgency. Our biblically rebuking another person essentially rests on these four key principles. First, rebuke with gentleness and humility. John Stott wrote, When we rebuke someone, we should do it in a spirit of gentleness and humility, realizing that we too are sinners in need of God's grace. Taking a moment to consider that should sober us up sufficiently before we go to the person we care about and open our mouths. Check to make sure that you start with a heart of humility and compassion, not one of superiority or self-righteousness. In his article, The Biblical Way to Rebuke a Fellow Christian, John MacArthur reminds us that everything begins with prayer, so good reminder there too. That's where you start. Before we approach the person, take time to pray for wisdom, humility, and love. So rebuke with gentleness and humility. Second, rebuke with the goal of restoration. The goal of rebuke should always be to restore the person to a right relationship with God and others. In Galatians 6.1, the Apostle Paul says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. The purpose of rebuke is not to condemn or shame the person, but to help them turn away from sin and toward God. Third, rebuke with the support of the Christian community. Rebuke should never be done in isolation. The community of faith does play a part in the process to offer support, accountability to both the person rebuking and the person being rebuked. Tim Keller wrote, The process of rebuke should always involve the wider Christian community so that the person being rebuked can receive support, encouragement, and accountability from others. And lastly, rebuke with the spirit of love. If we're living by the Spirit, as Paul points out in Galatians 6.1, then our motivation for rebuking should be love. Ephesians 4.15 says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head that is Christ. Properly rebuking someone requires both the truth and love. Because, as Nancy Guthrie points out in the heart of biblical rebuke, she says we want to have the desire to serve the other person. So those four key principles of how to wisely biblically rebuke, rebuke with gentleness and humility, rebuke with the goal of restoration, rebuke with the support of the Christian community, and rebuke with the spirit of love. Rebuking someone is not an easy task, but it is an important part of living in Christian community and living a life of meaningful distinction before the world. These principles lay the foundation for putting our approach to restoration into practice with wisdom, humility, and love. 
I know you're busy. That's why I've put together the Wisdom in All Things podcast to help you benefit from all there is to read, watch, and listen to. And if you would, please tell others about what you've heard and where you can hear it. Wisdomandallthings.com.